So the Iconians are one of the most spectacularly successful dynasties in Renaissance Europe, but most people in the UK, most school children outside Eastern Europe haven't heard of them, which is surprising because 14 present-day countries in Europe were ruled by Jagiellonian kings or princes at some point. They rule a huge slice of the European continent. And they're talked about locally, but they don't feature in our broader histories of Europe very much. Most, the great majority of what's been written about the dynasties so far is written about their impact in particular local countries. So Polish historians, for example, tend to write about the Aguilonians and their activities in Poland, the same in Hungary or Lithuania. And the, we really haven't had a study or a book which takes a huge panoramic look, which draws on the languages and the sources from Sweden to Belarus to <clears throat> Eastern Germany, for example. So that huge sweep will enable us to tell a new story about the Aguilonians and fit together all the pieces in a new way. So that's exciting. So clearly the Aguilonians rule a very large area. So the way the project's going to tackle this is by allocating particularly Aguilonian territories to the individual researchers. And we're fortunate because the scale of the ERC grants means that we can employ a team large enough to, to take on the Aguilonians, as it were. So I'll be principal investigator, but also my own research specialist is Poland. So I'll be working on the Polish Aguilonians. One of the postdoctoral research associates will work on the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. One will work on the Kingdom of Bohemia. One on the Kingdom of Hungary. And then a fourth associate is working for us on the German-speaking lands. So both the Aguilonian princesses who go to the Germany, but also the, the quite important areas of Central Europe, such as Silesia or Prussia, which are German-speaking. Uh, we'll also have a one-year postdoc who works for us on the Aguilonians in Sweden and Finland. And then for the languages that we can't cover between us, such as Belarusian or Ukrainian, uh, we're going to have short-term research assistants helping us. So we're going to cover a very wide range of languages and methodologies within the team. So the project is going to pursue uh, a number of interdisciplinary approaches because on the one hand, political history can be quite old-fashioned. It's what historians used to write in the 19th century, the history of kings and queens and princes and princesses. And what's really important for this project is that we, we take those very, apparently very traditional subjects, but are able to say really innovative and important new things about them by employing a range of methods that have been used by historians in the past few decades, but never really all brought together to bear at the same time on one subject. One aspect of Jagiellonian history which the project will be considering is the role of Jagiellonian women. So Jagiellonian princesses have been studied, but very much as individuals, as kind of one-off cases, but also as an appendix to the dynasty, very much at the margins of Jagiellonian dynastic history. And I think that really underestimates and perhaps misunderstands the way in which Renaissance dynasties thought about the role of women. Women were absolutely integral to dynastic continuity, but also I think in ways we don't yet fully understand acted um, as carriers of sovereignty. If we look at a lot of the, the key political debates at the moment in the UK, in the EU, in Europe more broadly, we're talking a lot about European identity, about the relationship between Eastern Europe and the rest of the EU politically, economically. With the Ukraine crisis, we're trying to talk about the borders of Europe and does Europe have a natural political, geopolitical, cultural border? And all of those debates have an origin or have a, an important even if it's an unacknowledged point of reference in the Aguilonian period. The Aguilonians ruled the whole of the Central European region, and they may not have used the phrase Central Europe in the way that we do, but they have a very clear language about it. You know, all of this will be able to understand much better from a historical perspective 
uh, we're able to have a much more reflective discussion about these issues if we understand that there was a period when these countries were ruled by one dynasty, there was a, a shared language and possibly a shared sense of regional identity, which is a sort of departure point or a springboard for a lot of the issues we're still thinking about today.